0: Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on AllHabs.net, brings you the latest news, in depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. With your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind the scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast.
1: Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 125 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick... How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's been a week. <laughs>
2: it's been a week. My goodness. <laughs> we got a full show uh, because yep. of, wow, the the ups and downs and, and all the news that we've had this week.
1: Um, kind of kind of an emotional week for you, too. I, yeah. I On I, Twitter, I see. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I had it on both ends because the Canadians were doing what they were doing. Uh-huh. And we're going to get into all of it. We're going to get into all of it. So just... Uh bear with us for a moment. I, as we talked about last week, I'm a Raptors fan. And if you follow me on Twitter at Joela19, I will often be tweeting primarily about the Raptors because I have an hour podcast here where I can share everything that I have to say about the Montreal Canadiens. And I often do on Twitter as well. It doesn't limit me from, from also sharing my thoughts on the Canadiens. But this week, there was an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer. About Kyle Lowry potentially joining the Philadelphia 76ers this season via trade, which piqued wow. the interest <laughs> of Apparently. one of our friends and colleagues, Amy Johnson. Uh, and so. There was an entire back and forth about spaghetti, and and I, I don't really know how one ties into the other. <laughs> I was I was going along with the ride. That was all that I was there to do. Um, now we should mention ulti- yeah. that
2: that you two have a a pre existing rivalry yes. as as it yeah. stands from from uh, yes. fantasy hockey, and uh, and so this just added a. It, it added a yeah. whole lot of fuel to the fire, as well as some spaghetti, which I don't understand. I, but but yeah. uh, there was cheese steaks thrown in there, and yeah, and all kinds of everything. things around Kyle Lowry.
1: But yeah, and so his agent came out and said that he's not looking for a trade right now, but he is a free agent at season's end. He is from Philadelphia, so he, it could happen. And Amy Johnson would lord that over me <laughs> until the end of time. So uh, um, true. That would be that would be a very. Hard thing to deal with. But, Rick, we say this because we are sports fans of of all sports. And you know who else are sports fans? Our friends at DraftKings. And our listeners have heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can become every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs this week jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all of the action.
2: Now, making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every single night of sports viewing, and it's simple to do.
1: Yep, you draft your lineup and you feel the heat like never before because every moment, every single moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line.
2: You should know that DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across
1: all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
2: Now, DraftKings has their sports book and uh, and you can, if you download the, the uh, app, you can get involved in that in those states uh, that, uh, we, we've got a lot of US listeners, in those states that uh, allow you to do that. But what we're talking about here is daily fantasy sports, and that's good for everyone uh, across Canada and the US, all of our listeners, and if you're just unsure about how to do it, uh, we had... Uh, uh, Mike Raschel and, and Amy Johnson, a couple weeks ago, they they kind of yeah. dipped a toe into uh, uh, the Daily Fantasy Sports and downloaded the app and got their start. Well, this week, um, Amy has uh, penned an article for allhabs.net. Go to allhabs.net and you can read. Uh, a rookie's review of daily fantasy sports, and uh, she gives you all the 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 background, how you get into it, uh, her her success, her experience with this, and uh, it, it's from both Mike and uh, and Amy's perspective. It sounds like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. So if you're looking for more information, as you said, Amy Johnson and Mike Raschel a couple of weeks ago, they gave their thoughts. And Amy Johnson, yeah, with a, with an article of, of her own as well. So that's where you can find all the information uh, on DraftKings. Uh, but Rick, as we said off the top, this was quite the week for the Montreal Canadiens. This is the first episode in the new era of mm-hmm. the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to be getting into all of the events of this week. Um, we're going to have to hold off on some of the, the, the details about Dominic Ducharme. That's going to be... In the second segment, we're going to get to Dominic Ducharme. We have a very interesting interview uh, with uh, Simon Servan of the Canadian Press, who we're going to be talking with in the second segment. And we're going to be diving in to all of that and much, much more, including Carey Price, who was, of course, in the headlines this week, because that's the way it goes. And the Montreal Canadiens are not winning hockey games. We're going to be getting to that. There's so, so, so much to get to here, Rick. So we're going to try to do our best here today and give all of our thoughts on everything. Uh, so, Rick, before we go any further, we should say that the Canadians played four games since we last spoke. They played a game against Toronto last week, and that was coming off of a week off. having That was their first game since they played the Leafs the week before that, and they won that game. This game did not end uh, as well for the Montreal Canadiens. They lose that one 5-3. There's a little bit of controversy we're going to be getting to in in that game, but not not as much as what was going to happen to them two games later. So then after that, they have a back-to-back against the Ottawa Senators, the second night of a back-to-back at Ottawa. They lose that one 3-2 in overtime, just a, a litany of mistakes in front of Jake Allen in the third period and overtime, really throughout the entire game. But in the third in the third period in overtime, it was it was just uh, a mess in front of Jake Allen, who uh, could not uh, hold the Canadians uh, in that game, uh, understandably so with the with the mess in front of him. But after that, a second game against the Ottawa Senators, and this one goes to a shootout. And uh, this is where the controversy really begins. And this is where it really sort of uh, went south for the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to be talking about Brendan Gallagher. Uh, and the disallowed goal, the goaltender interference disallowed goal, we're going to be getting to that in just a little bit. And then after that game, the first game of the Dominic Ducharme era in Montreal, uh, a 6-3 loss at the hands of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so Rick, the Canadians do not pick up a win this week. Uh, looking a little bit reminiscent of the uh, eight-game winless streaks that we saw last year. At least it's uh, the beginnings of what could be, uh, if if we're thinking back on what this team did last season. But uh, not not a great week for the Montreal Canadiens, and I guess that would be uh, the indication for uh, them firing their head coach, which we will be discussing.
2: <laughs> well, um, as I wrote in in the game <coughs> recap um, from Thursday's game, the Canadians now have won just two of their last nine games. And yeah. w- if we think about it, uh, they really had no business winning the two games that they did win um, <laughs> yeah. against uh, Ottawa and Toronto. So uh, this, we could be talking about... Um, another eight uh, game or more uh, game losing streak uh, this year. And and that was not supposed to happen as, as we heard uh, Chloe Julian was stressing um, that uh, you know, if you lose two games in a row, you're maybe not a good team (laughs) and, uh, uh, and and maybe he has paid the price for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was good teams don't lose two games in a row. Well, Yeah, they've they've doubled that. So it's not a great uh, not a great week for the Montreal Canadiens. But Rick last week I was tasked with uh, picking three stars of the week for the Montreal Canadiens. And given the fact that I only had one game to go off of, which was that Toronto Maple Leafs loss, I went in a different direction. Uh, which was to highlight unsung heroes coming out of last week where the canadians posted that youtube video that featured graham reinbend and talking about the COVID protocols and how he's working behind the scenes with a staff of people that are doing some fantastic work just to get the canadians on the ice at the bell center um, so i went a different direction and highlighted three guys that i hadn't yet chosen in my weekly column and that finished with arturi lakinen being named the first star of the week um, the one thing that I would say, and I said this to you throughout the week was, I don't know if I maybe cursed the three guys that I <laughs> talked about in that because Arturi Lekinen was scratched. Uh, ben Chirot took some penalties. He wasn't playing uh, all that well. And Jake Evans got scratched uh, in Dominic Ducharme's first game as the head coach. All so uh, yeah. it's all my fault. Everything that's happened in the last <laughs> week is my fault. I don't know if that's true. I'm not going to take the blame for that. Uh, <laughs> but, Rick, uh, I think all, all in all, I mean, even though it was a rough week for the Canadians. Arturi Lekinen is somebody that goes under the radar, that we talk about a lot on this show, that goes under the radar. He does a lot of things for this team, though, and the penalty kill specifically, all the things that he does for you defensively as well as the possession numbers, he just does a lot.
2: He has an engine that uh, that never stops. He's uh, there on the forecheck. He's there on the backcheck. Um, he creates uh, turnovers. He creates scoring opportunities. Um, he is a very valuable piece. And we saw that uh, in, in the, the, the bubble play and into the playoffs, he was one of the most effective players uh, for the, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, um, yeah, a, a very worthy and not, not uh, doesn't le- uh, get a lot of mention uh, publicly or on social media. And so a very worthy uh, mention uh, by you last week as your first star.
1: Yeah, and uh, hopefully going forward, I do not curse the uh, three <laughs> players that I put in my article. Uh, but Rick, will move on because, as I said, we just have so much to get to today. But we'll start with some roster news briefly. And the taxi squad is something that we've touched on the past few weeks. It's a very fluid situation who was on the taxi squad, who was not. And this week uh, was was a very uh, very clear that there was going to be a lot of movement going on. And even there was some movement this morning. Um, yeah, we started
2: today <laughs> with uh, a taxi squad of Byron, Fleury, Frolik, uh, Belziel and McNiven, and uh, and then um, the uh, Fleury and Belziel Belziel hasn't played yet uh, for Laval. They were both sent uh, to Laval. Laval's playing this afternoon, a, a four o'clock game, and uh, Belziel will be in his first game. Uh, Flurry back in the lineup, and uh, Joel Teasdale and Brandon Baddock uh, promoted to the the taxi squad, uh, added to uh, Paul Byron. We'll see if he gets in the lineup today. Uh, Michael Froleek. Uh, and uh, and Michael McNiven uh, have to have a goaltender, so McNiven is part of the taxi squad. Why is that? You say that's because Charlie um, Lindgren was sent to Laval for conditioning. He got into his first game against the Manitoba Moose uh, on Wednesday night. He'll also get the start this afternoon. Played pretty well in his his uh, his uh, first start after not having uh, you know manned the net for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> um and um we had a a one to one exclusive interview uh on uh the press zone uh, the podcast that came out earlier this week with none other than Charlie Lindgren and he spoke about um he spoke about having a chat with uh, then head coach Claude Julien uh and that he was likely going to uh uh, Laval for con- conditioning and, and indeed right after uh, the podcast came yeah. out that's exactly what happened uh, but if you want to find out about what it's like being on the taxi squad and if you just want to catch up on uh, on goaltending and a little bit of insight into Carey Price and all kinds of things yeah. it's a great interview uh, look for the Press Zone podcast that came out this week.
1: It really is fantastic. And uh, Charlie Lindgren also auditioning to be the third member of the Press Zone podcast. So <laughs> yes, check that out as that. well. <laughs> but yeah, Charlie Lindgren is, is obviously great. And it was great to hear from him with, with that exclusive interview that you're going to want to check out on the on the latest episode of the Press Zone. Uh, Rick, we'll move on because we do have some Laval Rocket news uh, concerning two ABS prospects, Caden Gooley and Gianni Fairbrother. Uh, They are being returned uh, to their junior teams, which we were sort of waiting on.
2: The WHL um, got got underway last night. uh, Caden Gooley was in the lineup last night for the Laval Rocket. And of course, that agreement uh, with the junior teams that they could play, uh, the um, the CHL players could play in uh, the AHL as long as they didn't have another place to play. Now that those uh, those leagues have started up, we have Caden Gooley going back to the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, Gianni Fairbrother uh, to the Everett Silvertips. Um, both played uh, pretty well. Gouley was uh, particularly uh, impressive Uh, and last night uh, on the ice less than two minutes to go protecting a lead the coach showing some uh, Joel uh, Bouchard showing some confidence in him and uh, I think this was a great experience for uh, a future uh, uh, top defenseman in Caden Gouley.
1: Yeah, and it was great exposure for, for Habs fans to follow along with Oval Rocket and see how Caden Gooley was performing because obviously there's a lot of excitement that surrounds him coming out of the World Juniors and obviously being the Canadiens' most recent first-round draft pick. Um, but Rick, we unfortunately had some uh, unfortunate news yesterday. Uh, former general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Irving Grunman, died at the age of 93. He
2: um, was a um, kind of the, the the transition between the Sam Pollock years and um, and Serge Savard. He uh, started with the uh, Canadians organization as the manager of the Montreal Forum. Not a bad gig uh, to, no. to to move into. <laughs> he was uh, known as a. As a, a, a an effective businessman, he had put together a, a whole series of uh, bowling lanes uh, around Quebec, and um, and then moved into that position in the Montreal Forum. Uh, took over from uh, Sam Pollock, and uh, in his first year of uh, being general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, won a Stanley Cup, which is uh, pretty good, uh, I would yeah. say. Uh, Not too shabby. But yes, we uh, we we send our, our condolences to uh, the family of, of Irving Grunman, um, uh, general manager, former general manager of the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Absolutely. Send our best uh, to his loved ones at this time, um, Rick. So uh, we'll move on, uh, make the difficult transition as it always is. But uh, we'll move on because, as we said, there's so much to talk about here today. And so that's why for the rest of this show... Uh, We say it's one of our favorite segments every week. And this week, uh, the entire podcast basically is devoted to They Said What, which uh, might be uh, some great news for our listeners who love this segment. Um, (laughs) So we'll begin with Brendan Gallagher because against the Ottawa Senators, this is what I touched on in that 5-4 shootout loss. uh, The Montreal Canadiens, here's what happened, Rick. I was watching the end of that game. I turned it off because I thought it was over. I thought the Canadians won. I thought it was done. My friend texts me and says the Montreal Canadiens just got robbed in Ottawa, and uh, I I could not I could not believe it. I, I turned the game back on to watch the end, obviously uh, overtime and the shootout. But it was just such a bizarre situation because when you watch that play live, it didn't seem like there was anything egregious on the play. But it's it was it's determined goaltender interference, and the goal was called back. And it was it was just bizarre, and, and the fallout on social media was immense. You saw everybody complaining about that disallowed goal call. Rick, what did you make of it in the moment?
2: I, I made too much of it because in my game recap, um, <laughs> that that was titled simply "Robbed." Uh, I went frame by frame uh, with the clock superimposed over top on the goal um and and watched it and i still i i can't believe the call that was made yeah um because the contact uh brendan gallagher um and getting steered into and making contact with matt murray that occurred with seven seconds left in the game uh, the goal itself, um, um, a, a shot from the point that was deflected by Brendan Gallagher, occurred with less than three seconds left in the game. Now, it, that doesn't sound four seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're when you're a, a, an NHL player, it's a long time. And that's it, a lot. Yeah, that's a long time. And the bumping uh, that that uh, occurred, or it was a tangle of of skates really, that spun. Uh, Matt Murray around 360 degrees. Um, he had plenty of time to reset. He was pretty slow. He he milked it. And that was pretty obvious. Um, but Brendan Gallagher was taken down. Uh, then he was piled on and rolled over. Yeah. And then he got up and he still had time to reset. Uh, Murray didn't have to go through all that. He still had time to reset and to to um, uh, redirect the the point shot. Um, Bizarre, bizarre situation And and honestly I I don't understand the uh, Decision that was made
1: And look, this is what it comes down to for me Is that there is no consistency With this, with the with the way that this rule is used. There is no consistency. And that's where I thats where it, I, I just don't understand because we remember back a few years ago in the playoffs against the New York Rangers, Carey Price is physically dragged out of his net by Rick Nash. That's a goal that's allowed. That goal that happens after that happens, that's allowed. That's fine. This isn't. And that's why I don't really have much of an issue. I understand that in the moment, uh, the Aspericottiemi disallowed goal, the puck is loose underneath and Anderson's pads, and and that's a frustrating one to have disallowed. But that was a goal that you know a similar goal for the Leafs was disallowed by for Joe Thornton. Two of them actually. So if it's consistent, then I'm fine with it. It's the lack of consistency. It is not knowing that we should have some idea. We should have some idea heading into a review whether or not something is goaltender interference. There's no way to know. There's no way to know what is and what is not goaltender interference. And that's the frustrating part. It's, you know, if you end up on the wrong end of it, obviously it's frustrating in the moment. But if you find some consistency so fans don't have to always just say, well, this could go either way. If they had any type of idea what it was, then they wouldn't always be so upset about it. But here we are. And Brendan Gallagher was very upset after the game against the Ottawa Senators. And just before I play the clip, I'm going to give you
2: just there's some um, what's going on (laughs) in the beginning, I think, needs some explanation because Brendan Gallagher is um, he's he's a volcano at the moment. (laughs) He is he is trying to contain himself and you can hear his breathing and uh, he's really trying to contain himself. Um, This is via Zoom, as as all the player interviews are. Um, The question is asked, Brendan Gallagher uh, knows exactly what he wants to say. And he starts and there's some uh, journalist, there's a conversation going on that he can hear and that is uh, interrupting him. Brendan Gallagher stops, looks at Paul Wilson, and says, "There's talking. He's not. He's not happy yeah. uh, now with." And uh, and Paul Wilson mutes it uh, and goes on. But that's what's happening at the beginning of this clip. But we have um, uh, about a two minute clip here, and just to to preface it, because listen to to how he he frames uh, uh, the situation, uh, because I think he does a better job than than we could have done.
3: Yeah. Still searching for an explanation that makes sense. Um, we sit down,
4: at
2: the start of every
3: season. We sit down at the start of every season, and the NHL prepares a video for us. The referees see the exact same video. We've seen clips. Um, there was a clip last year. A New York Islander player uh, bumped Anderson in Toronto. Um, Anderson had time to reset. The puck went in. The goal counted. This play, I'm knocked on my ass. I have time to reset. Can't tell me the goalie doesn't have time to reset. The other explanation I got, okay, I'm in the blue paint. I'm working my way out of the blue paint. We've seen in that same video, plenty of plenty of examples where the player's working his way out. He's pushed into the goalie. Goal counter. We, we watch this video. The refs watch his video. For some reason, this one, this example is different. I don't know why. Um, to me, it. Uh, it's ruining the product, I don't know, we need consistency, and and for us to, to, you know, the guys battled hard. We didn't have the start we wanted. The guys battled very hard to come back. I thought they deserved a better fate than that, and it's very disappointing um, the way that that was decided. It was just, you can't tell me he doesn't have time to reset. I, I got knocked in my ass was getting pushed down by two guys. I got up, I found the puck, I reset. All right you can't tell me I'm not trying to work my way out of the blue and the guy's not pushing me in I mean if you give me reasons like that I'm just gonna you know I I don't know how you sit there and you watch the video and and we get the same training on this at the start of the year as the referees do so I know they've seen the same video and we saw plenty of examples that are exactly like that and they go the other way and all we're looking for as players is consistency if you would have showed us a video at the start of the year and and told me that doesn't count sure fine Uh, but I've, I've seen it i you know, I, I've seen the examples where they count the goals, and I don't know who's making the, the final call. Um, the referees seem to think it was him. Uh, I don't know if it's going to Toronto and they're making the final call, but consistency, consistency is what we need, and, and we're not getting it.
2: Obviously, very, very emotional, um, very frustrated. Um, he talks about um, Zaitsev taking or kind of steering him into Murray. Uh, and then taking them to the ice. And, well, he's on the ice, Colin White rolls over him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and all of that happens, and he gets up, and he deflects, and, he, and um, you know, it's still before um, Matt Murray has a chance to reset. say it, so, so, in, in theory. Um, he talks about, the video that he talks about um, is something that the NHL does at the beginning of every season, Uh, For these kinds of of situations where the rule requires interpretation, they'll send a video around. So the the video from the NHL on goaltender interference, according to Brendan Gallagher, shows a a similar situation where the goal counted. Um, So he doesn't know how to to react this. Uh, I think the most important thing that he said is that inconsistency is ruining the product on the ice. Uh, yeah. because it, it, it's, it's very arbitrary and in sports, you don't want it to be arbitrary. You don't want, you know, the, the Russian judge to be holding up the card. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not, that's not team sports. That's not hockey. Um, and, um, and, and obviously he was very, very frustrated.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you could tell because at the very beginning of that, as you said, there was a conversation happening behind on the Zoom call, whatever it was, and he was, yeah, there's someone talking. This was his time to get that off of his chest and to explain why exactly he felt the Canadians had been wronged in that situation, and yeah, it comes down to consistency. That is it. That's all we're asking. It's a difficult job to be an NHL official, NBA official, MLB umpire. These are difficult jobs to do. You just want consistency. You just want interpretations of these rules to be consistent. And that is not something that you're getting with respect to goaltender interference. And it's been that way for five years. Like we've been, we've still been wondering exactly what exactly goaltender interference is, and we haven't gotten an answer. Um, so Rick, we'll move on. We we do have a lot to get to today. Uh, we could certainly devote more time to that, though. <laughs> and,
2: and we should say, I, like, I don't, I don't buy into this theory that uh, that it's Toronto and Toronto's against Montreal. Yeah. No. But the inconsistency, uh, if that means incompetence or a, a lack of training, I th- I think that's worse. And and yeah. you mentioned the Kokinami situation. We still don't really know uh, what what's a headshot. um we, yeah, There was we the don't. Tyler Myers hit on on Joel Armia. There was uh, Dylan Dubé's Dylan head, headshot on Kokinami. Yep. So there's been a lot of inconsistency with uh, respect to the Montreal Canadiens, and we can understand we can understand uh, Gallagher's frustration, but also fan frustration yep. uh, to trying to, be, to trying to figure this all out.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and so the one guy that was there after that game against the Ottawa Senators that shootout loss The guy that was answering the tough questions the head coach Claude Julian and what would be his his final presser as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens He would be fired the next day, so uh, he participated in his final presser in Ottawa We'll get to the clip in just a little bit but Rick we have had the conversation uh, in the last couple of years about Claude Julien enough that people people know where exactly we fall with respect to Claude Julien and his tenure as the Canadiens head coach and that there were shortcomings in terms of communication that it would often be Kirk Muller that would be the in between between the players and the coach and and this sort of that was the sort of big thing but what else do you see as as part of the Claude Julien tenure as this well the second tenure as the Montreal Canadiens head coach? What do you see as, as sort of his his shortcomings? We,
2: with with Claude Julien, um, he was definitely an upgrade when it came to Michel yes. Therrien, um, and he he brought um, he brought a system, um, and he he kind of settled things down. He was a better communicator uh, than uh, than Michel Therrien but he 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 still had his 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 quirks, let's say, and and the reliance on veterans, the difficulty uh, transitioning uh, young players into the lineup, uh, the difficulty communicating with with younger players. And as you said, that was kind of left to um, uh, uh, kirk Muller as as the conduit, particularly with younger players. Um, but um, Julian's offensive system, and, and we heard it when, when he was uh, fired in Boston, uh, that he was—I uh, I remember reading one uh, Boston columnist saying uh, the reason Cassidy was brought in is, is that Julian was only worried about uh, padding his corsi, uh, padding his possession numbers. And yeah. I don't know that that's true, but but it worked out that way, right? The Canadians were always, and Corsi is just inferred possession. It's not really possession. But um, Claude Julien prefers, his system relies on a lot of shots, a lot of shots, uh, with the assumption is that if you get enough of them on net, uh, that something's going to go in. Um, and, uh, and for the most part in the offensive zone, those shots primarily come from the defense. And we've, we've, uh, we've heard, uh, uh, reporters ask the question, um, why, why don't you, why aren't you more creative down low? Why don't you build your offense that way on the power play? And both Julian and, and Bergevin, uh, talk about, no, we want to use the points and, and pepper the, the, uh, the goal with, uh, uh, with shots from the point and go in and get the rebounds, uh, and and uh, and we've heard this this well particularly since uh, the Canadians have gone into this tailspin. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, one player after another, has talked about one and done. Uh, that's been the phrase yeah. during this losing streak, and that's the difficulty with a, a Julian system is it leads to uh, one and done when things aren't aren't going well. Um, so it's it's um you know you're waiting for that that uh deflection off the off the shin pad so you can pump it in but it requires players who are going to fight to the front of the net uh, it requires um your 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 forwards to constantly be digging and retrieving the puck and sending it back to uh the points and that's fatiguing and and that's why he has to rely on on a four-line system and and uh so you know his system has has its benefits um but it also um you know it it it, it does you get uh, high course you get high uh expected goals more than real goal, particularly yeah. if your shooting percentage is uh is is, is down below and And I think this year uh, expectations got raised by that the great start that the Canadians had, but when you analyze it, it's, um, you know, they played five games against the Canucks and, and they didn't win every one, but they, they basically obliterated, they dominated the Canucks and that, um, the Canucks are a very passive team. Uh, the Habs speed exploited that. And, um, and they they were just uh, you know um, j- just a scoring machine out of that. I, I I um I and we didn't see that from um, from the 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 rest of the uh, the rest of the, the opponents because uh, they're a different they are different teams they're different structures and also they adjusted and it didn't seem that Claude Julien although he complained about. Uh, other people, other systems adjusting to his. He didn't make those adjustments. He was yeah. relying on uh, uh, Dominic Ducharme, we're going to talk about later, uh, to uh, uh, analyze and, and make those adjustments. The other thing that um, you're going uh, to, the, the special teams in a Claude Julian. Uh, system um, just never really worked, and and yes, people will complain about Kirk Muller on the power play, and yes, there once upon a time he had sole responsibility, but uh, over the past couple of years it was a co uh, responsibility for Muller and Ducharme, and really it was it was Julian setting the the strategy in the going back to the point that that Mueller and Deschermes had to work within. And, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see if, if that gets um, uh, changed or not. I think this year something that I would have liked to have seen Julian crack down on more was the discipline. Um, yeah. The fact that the Canadians were second highest in, um, in, in minor penalties and they were near the bottom in drawing penalties – um just uh, you know it it absolutely and and particularly when the penalty kill was so poor this year um it's it's um you know they, they they were playing more and more and more uh like last season um and i think julian's system puts a lot of pressure on on um on the goal um and really when you look at the numbers on that um Five on five, uh, Price and Allen are pretty similar. Um, It's the penalty kill numbers that uh, that are very different. Um, You know, there's this media-driven narrative out there about uh, who's to blame, and we'll get to that later. It's not really uh, supported um, by the data. The last thing I'll say is, and 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 you know, I I went. Was it two weeks ago? It was uh, our our Valentine's Day special uh, that uh, I talked about the Canadians being indisciplined this year, uh, yeah. their, their poor special teams, their uh, lack of focus to defensive hockey, their their problems on face-offs, um, attention to detail was lacking, making mistakes instead of forcing, all of those things we talked about, um, and they are problems, but I think they're fixable problems and uh, for Dominic Ducharme, um, he's coming into a pretty nice situation. Uh, usually, when a, a coach takes over, it's uh, it's a disaster, right? Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's just that uh, uh, Julian didn't meet the expectations, the expectations of the fans, the expectations of Mark Bergevin. And I think um, Dominic Ducharme comes into a pretty good situation uh, that um, that he can— Over time now he doesn't have much time but but that is fixable. yeah
1: yeah and and look I think when you look at Claude Julien and his time as the Montreal Canadiens head coach I think listen there were adjustments that were made heading into the 18-19 season that year the Montreal Canadiens had 96 points and missed the playoffs there were adjustments made in that and I gave Claude Julien credit for that because it's not easy for guys to change and make adjustments to things that have worked for them in the past He did that the Canadians played a little bit more freewheeling in that season. And of course, it wasn't sustainable. They they the the following year last season didn't end well, 71 points in 71 games. And if that season had finished and concluded as a regular run of the mill NHL season, no bubble, no second chance, then he's probably fired after that season. There'd probably be decisions that were made after that. If that season runs its course without any playoff bubble the Canadians getting to that bubble, beating the Pittsburgh Penguins, gave Claude Julien a second opportunity where there probably wouldn't have been one otherwise. And the fact that they made it that far, they get to the they get to the bubble uh, as the 24th ranked team, beat Pittsburgh, and then take on Philly, take them to seven. That gives him a second opportunity, and it, it it's probably the same situation. Remember last year when Mike Babcock was fired, and people were saying. It probably should have happened after game seven against the bruins that that might have been the moment where if you want to start fresh you start fresh at the beginning of the new season you don't do it however many games in you know so it sort of reminded me of that but of course it's a bit of a different situation but now as you said Dominique Ducharme has an opportunity here uh this is not a team that that is out of it by any stretch of the imagination there is still time Obviously a little less than there usually is uh, in an NHL season, but there is still time to fix some of these things that ail the Montreal Canadiens currently, and it'll have to get started uh, very, very soon. Uh, but there is, as you said, still some time here to figure all of this out. Um, but as we said, Claude Julien, his final press conference as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and and he outlined the team's problems following that shootout loss against the Senators
5: it's about attitude you know and that's the only thing you control right now is your attitude so you either come in uh, down and uh, discouraged or you come in determined and uh, and uh, wanting to, to turn things around and ready to do those kind of things so that's one thing we can't control and uh, you know sometimes there's bounces there's all kind of things that happen in the game and that you can't always control but uh, you know your attitude and your approach is something that can make a big difference so that's what we got to do. Well, just we we got to work our way out of it. Simple as that. Uh, uh, not more complicated than that. It's our attitude and our approach to the game that's going to make the difference. So uh, we need that tomorrow. So much of that comes with confidence. And, uh, you know, your best players, if they're not confident, they don't execute properly. So, you know, that's what this whole, this whole game is about. It's about playing with confidence. And when you have confidence, you make the right plays and the right decisions. So that's what we're struggling with right now. And, uh, you know, it's showing in, in all parts of our game. Well, that's what we got to do here. You know, like when you struggle at some point, you hope there's something that's going to spark you. And I think, again, we're being challenged and, uh, you know, we end up uh, losing this game in a shootout. But we got to take that second half of the game and really build on that, going to Winnipeg and, you know, find a way to turn things around. And you've seen that with many teams uh, where they go through some tough times. But eventually you find your game again and uh, and you start feeling good about yourself and things fall back into place. So hopefully that's going to happen to us next game.
2: Well, there wouldn't be a next game uh, for Claude Julian. Yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, he didn't know that at the time. I think though the writing was on the wall, um, and we we started mentioning this uh, a couple weeks ago that there seemed to be a bit of a, of a divide um, uh, between uh, the the players and Claude Julian. It it was clear to me. And I know I got some texts, and I know I got some emails saying, "Why are you, why are you hard on Clo Julian?" And and listen, when we went into this season, and I said it to I said it to, to other people, I didn't expect there to be a, a coaching controversy. I really didn't. Wow. Um, and and uh, but you could see the signs of it that that Clo Julian had lost the room. Uh, players had stopped listening to him. And um, you know it's 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 tough when a coach starts pointing fingers and saying uh, it's your damn attitude. Uh, and he said approach an attitude a couple of times. That's 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 a shot at the players. Yeah. Um, the other thing he seemed to to be lost for answers. And and in that clip he said that we're waiting for a spark. We're we're sitting back and we're waiting for a spark. Eventually you're going to find your game eventually everything falls into place. Well, uh, Mark Bergevin couldn't wait. As you said, the condensed season, uh, you can't wait for something to magically happen. You need a coach to change things, to trigger something, uh, to, to make something happen, uh, to turn things around. And, and I think uh, that's the reason that, um, that Mark Bergevin had to act uh, because um, the message uh, just wasn't getting through anymore.
1: Yeah, and certainly a lot of pressure now. Listen, it's it's Mark Bergevin now that's going to be taking on a lot of this pressure. This is the second coach that he's fired. This is not something that typically happens. You don't usually get the two shots, right? You usually get the one, and at that point, you have to start making some tough decisions. Otherwise, you're the one that wears it, and, and Mark Bergevin now, I think the attention might be going uh, in his direction, and of course, because of all of this, all the situation around the coach and Claude Julien and Kirk Muller being fired. Mark Bergevin had a press conference announcing that and announcing the appointment of Dominique Ducharme as the uh, interim head coach. Um, and it, it was it was a strange press conference, Rick. And, and you noticed something that was a little bit different in terms of the demeanor from Mark Bergevin. I've never, I've
2: honest, honestly, I've, I've, I've watched every one of, of, of Mark's press conferences and I've never seen him like this. Never, ever, ever seen him like this. Um, he was, he was fidgety. He was aggressive. Um, he was irritable. Um, he was very forceful in his message. He was as frustrated as, as I've ever seen him, um, honestly he, he it just contentious with with the media his voice inflections um and and he just seemed very shaken and very unnerved as if he didn't ex- i said i didn't expect there to be a coaching uh problem this year he probably didn't expect uh the this result and um i i honest, honestly i've never seen mark Bergevan like this
1: yeah, and it's a situation for him, right, that we've talked about it. We've talked about Mark Bergevin not putting his stamp on it and saying that this is my team, and he did that this offseason. He went out and he traded Max Domi for Josh Anderson. He went out and he used extra money. He didn't make a lateral move type of thing where he just made one for one. He then went out and got Tyler Toffoli and signed him to a contract. He signed... Uh, he, he traded for the rights of Joel Edmondson, signed him to a contract at the very beginning of this offseason, brought in Jake Allen. So, look, when you look at Mark Bergevin's time as the Montreal Canadiens general manager, a lot of my frustration has been that he didn't go out and make the moves to make this team better. He didn't use the cap space to make this team better. He did that. And it didn't work for whatever reason. Things fizzled out after that good start to the season. Things fizzled out. So I understand why he's frustrated by all of this because he's finally put his neck out there and said this is a time that we want to win and it's not working. And it's it's a really bizarre situation. I understand that there were signs that the Canadians were going to... And you knew that they were going to regress a little bit, but not this much. Not as much as that, that we've seen where the Ottawa senators bottle them up and they can't do anything against a team that that, that's very much in the midst of a rebuild. So it's, it's, it's a frustrating time. And I understand why Mark Bergevin is frustrated and he turns his attention now to a guy and Dominique Ducharme who uh, in this press conference, introducing him. um, And I guess we'll start with the first clip. I mean, he says outright that Dominique Ducharme is his guy
6: uh, first of all, and I want to make that clear, uh, quarantine, no quarantine. Uh, Dom was my guy from the from the time I made my decision. And uh, the reason why uh, he's a new model of coach, the young coach, which uh, came a long way, uh, had success at the junior level, had success at the uh, world uh, junior level. Uh I feel that the new voice, that's what this team needs. And uh also he's uh a, a good communicator. And uh lots of time that's what the players I feel, based on what I saw, that's what they're looking for. You know, like I said, I, I talks with Claude in the in the last little while and I know the message he was telling the players and what was happening was was not the same and and it happens in all sports and loads a very good coach it's just at some point you know the the, the player needs a new voice and uh, that's what i saw happening with our club in recent weeks
2: the message wasn't getting through um, a, a new voice uh, was needed and um, and he said even if it's the same message sometimes uh, it, the the message needs to come from a different voice and yeah. uh and so talked about Ducharme, who, in his terms, is is a new model of coach. Um, and, uh, and and listen, uh, Ducharme uh, has has great strength in his ability to strategize, analyze the game, uh, make make in-game adjustments. Those are all uh, his stre- well-known strengths. Um, the, the, the interactions with the team, the interactions, uh, his personnel decisions, um, and, and, um, Mark Bergevan mentioned that he's a, a good communicator. I think he's a good communicator with Mark Bergevan. Yeah, uh, but he's, he's not comfortable, uh, and, and he has said this openly that he's not comfortable in front of the media, um, he's not a, uh, a, a, a dictatorial kind of coach. He lets the team determine things, and and uh, if you have a strong leadership group, that's that's great, uh, and, um, and 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 uh, but it could go off the rails, uh, you know, if not. Uh, so we'll see. And uh, yeah. but but I think the message here was uh, a different voice was needed. Um, and, um, and and his guys, very strongly, is Dominic yep. Ducharme.
1: And look, I think the Canadians, they have that good internal leadership that they will be able to handle that. But yeah, it could go off the rails because you don't want the inmates running the asylum. You know, that's kind of a situation you would want to avoid. But the Canadians, I think, uh, should be fine in that regard. Uh, but, but moving on, Bergeron talked about this because obviously his fingerprints from this past offseason all over this team. Uh, he talked about knowing the capabilities of this team. I know what
6: type of team we have. I know what we're capable of doing. And, and I'm not taking anything. And by the way, you know, people are saying, you know, well, they couldn't beat the Ottawa Center. I'm sorry. There's 31 teams in the league. Ottawa's one of them. It's an NHL team. It's a good young team, and uh, they work extremely hard, and they're very uh, well coached, and uh, they're putting a fight every night. So I'm not—I don't want people to say, "Well, they should beat Ottawa." I mean, they're a good hockey team, and they're they're up and coming. So I felt that there was a
2: need to be a change, need to be made. I do not want to upset anybody here, but uh, the Canadians should have beat the yeah. Red Wings last year, and they should beat. The Ottawa Senators this year. Yeah, he's he's wow, he's emotional, Um, (laughs) and he's got a lot invested this year. He's he's bet the house on the roster that he's put together, and it's not happening. And he is he was frazzled in this this uh, press conference, Uh, so he was defending um, he was defending his record, his team. Uh, that he put together. And then all of a sudden you see him go off in a tangent yeah. um, that uh, you guys out there are, are saying uh, we should be able to beat the Ottawa Senators and said, you know, basically anybody can beat anybody else on a given night if you're an NHL team. But uh, the interesting thing for me, and we know uh, that Jeff Molson is a fan of listening to talk uh, to uh, Montreal talk radio, uh, usually on the French side. Um, is and Mark Bergevin in his early tenure used to do that because he used to come out to to uh, press conferences and respond to things and I thought okay there's a there's a there's a rookie mistake uh, stop listening you know get off social media don't listen to social yeah. media don't listen to talk radio uh, but he's obviously upset it's gotten back to him that somebody has said uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, should be beating the Ottawa Senators um, and. Um, and and it's it's stuck in his craw, and he had to say something about it.
1: And look, I agree with Mark Bergevin to a point because I said this at the beginning of the season: the Ottawa Senators are equipped to give the Montreal Canadiens out of any team for the Ottawa Senators, any team in that division, they are best equipped to handle the Montreal Canadiens. But that does not mean that the Montreal Canadiens should lose two consecutive games to the Ottawa Senators and three out of four. That should not happen. You should be able to handle your business, right? Like, that needs to be done. You just need to do it. Regardless of how it happens, it doesn't need to be pretty. You just need to get the two points and get out of there. That is what your responsibility is. And I understand the Ottawa Senators are an up-and-coming team. I like the Ottawa Senators. I like a lot of the pieces they have. But they are not a right-now team. The Montreal Canadiens have committed enough money that they are a right-now team, and they need to start performing like one against a team that very clearly is not a right-now team. So with that, there's obviously some concerns about the way the Montreal Canadiens are playing, chief among them special teams, which are, are killing the Montreal Canadiens and have been for some time now. And Marc Bergevin touched on the fact that special teams are just not good enough.
6: Yeah, yeah. obviously our special team, they, they need to be better, a lot better. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, what I was seeing, you know, like it's losing momentum. We had a few power plays and it's hard, I guess, it's hard to, to practice your power play when you don't have enough. But it is what it is. You, you deal with, you know, with the calls you get every night. We're losing momentum. We, we were looking like a team who didn't know. We're looking for like, it's OK, I'm, let me try this. It doesn't work. Let me try this. It doesn't work. It, it was not in sync. And that needs to be better when we're at our best. Doesn't mean we score on every power play, but we're creating, we're ga- gaining momentum. Our PK, I mean, if you spend a minute 40 in your own end, you know, at some point you need to be able to to, to put pressure on the other team where they lose momentum on, the power, on their power play. Uh, our D zone coverage, I thought we're chasing our tail too much. Uh, when we play at the top of our game. We're killing plays. We're moving puck. We're supporting the puck. We're getting. We're going to the neutral zone with speed, and that's what our team's at our best. And
2: that's what's not happening right now. I don't think he likes the way they're playing right now. Yeah, you?
1: no, I don't think so. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. Doesn't that, sound like it.
2: The special teams and 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 listen, um, much of that is is dead on. Um, the Canadians' uh, power play, um, uh, it, it's kind of. Uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be a plan. Uh, let's try this, and and yeah. uh, uh, and it's it's not working. And there's there's uh, as he said, he took a little side shot uh, about his uh, his team lack of taking penalties, and and maybe he was pointing it at the referee that they deserve uh, uh, more calls in their direction, but uh, uh, saying that they don't have enough, uh, pr- they haven't had enough practice time on on the power play. Um, but then the uh, the the penalty kill uh, that they can't figure out how to be on that line they're either too aggressive and that's benefited them with uh, shorthanded goals but yep. then they're giving up a ton of of uh, of uh, goals while on the penalty kill they haven't been good and part of that is that on the penalty kill uh, particularly when Philip Danos out there. He's not winning faceoffs, uh, so they don't start with a the puck. They don't clear it, and as Mark Bergevan said, uh, a minute forty, your your penalty kill starts to break down. And and yeah. the other part of it is that goals in the NHL these days um, are scored using the the seams, passes uh, across the seams uh, uh, across the ice surface to open up the goaltender. And those, those lanes are there all day long on, yep. the, on the Montreal uh, penalty kill. They aren't there at all uh, when the Canadians are on the power play. Um, and he made a comment, I mean, it's been my complaint all season long, even when they were winning, that their defensive play was awful. And he said, uh, in the defensive zone, we're doing nothing but chasing our own tails.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's it's pretty on the nose criticism if we're being honest. Uh, what Mark Bergeron just said, and yeah, it's it's interesting to see if, if much will change, um, especially with with the special teams because yeah, they've not been very good to this point in the season, and they'll they'll need some production out of them, and certainly on the penalty kill, you can't <laughs> you you need to be able to kill a penalty every now and then, as you say. It's it's just not a very good situation right now. Um, but Rick, we'll move on because you know it, it's interesting to look at the way that the things have changed and very quickly i mean you had a great start to the season and things have just gone off the rails to this point it, it's it's been it's been frustrating to watch uh, for a fan i guess but here's mark Bergevin on the changes from the team uh, in january
6: yeah uh, it's the the hard thing to watch is the swing from being uh you know, like a really good hockey team that was playing with pace, was engaged, uh, you know, we're, we're we're playing to our our identity, which is speed, and then going the other side where a team It was, you know, was looking for, for anything. You know, we're chasing our, you know, the expression, we're chasing our tail, we're chasing the puck, uh, we we're not in sync, and that was frustrating for me. I mean, like I said, sometimes you could blame injuries, but we had none zero and uh if if the message is the same and they're they're acting differently then the change need to be made yeah, there,
1: there was yoel armia just pointing that out
2: <laughs> there was um and, and uh, <laughs> Not but, zero there was one <laughs> but it's it's um you know Ben minor he's built uh, a team yes. with depth to yeah. to uh uh accommodate <laughs> injuries and and yeah. perhaps uh, the covid uh, situation uh, but uh, they haven't really factored in and, and uh, obviously frustrated that uh, that the Canadians couldn't maintain the, the pace that they had set in January.
1: And yeah, and this is something that I said a couple of weeks ago, is that you can't have an identity that's just based around speed. Like that is a part of an identity that you can form and is very effective when you do that. But that can't be everything. And. It's uh, I think what you're seeing here is a team that's gotten shut down in the transition game They don't have any ability to score once they get into the zone and and build off of pressure And that's been an issue on the power play That's what you've been seeing is that they they really just can't sustain any pressure They need to get out in transition and get on an odd man rush to really generate some offense Um, But yeah, it's it's definitely changed very quickly and, uh, Rick, we'll, we'll, we'll play one more clip for Marc Bergevin. He has a message for the fans, but there is a, something to point out here is that the clip will begin in French and then he'll change to English.
6: When I addressed the team, I said, everyone here to a man needs to be better, needs to raise his game. Every single guy. That was my message, and it's my message to you guys for our fans. That's what needs to be done.
2: His message, his clear message, yeah. the message that he gave to the team and he wants the media to transmit to uh, fans is that every player on the Montreal Canadiens needs to be better. Um, that, it's a fascinating clip, and it, and, uh, it, it goes back a bit. Um, I, I don't think I've ever, ever, ever heard um, Mark Bergevin, who has asked a question in French, start the answer in French, and then flip And switch to English but uh, what's going on there uh, in my opinion is that that he gave the message he gave that same message to the uh, Canadians locker room obviously that message the hockey's the language of hockey is English the language of the Canadians locker room is English he delivered that message in English so he wanted the fans to know what uh, exactly what he had told the players
1: yeah. So, yeah, as you said, it was a very interesting press conference with Mark Bergervan uh, before Dominic Ducharme stepped up to the podium and also gave his thoughts on the situation that he was going to be stepping into as the interim head coach. And we're going to discuss that after a quick break. So, uh, stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We have Simone Servant coming up to discuss Dominique Ducharme and much, much more. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: And welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe 19. You can find me on Twitter at Joe 19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at all Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, as we said, going to break last segment, this segment is going to be entirely devoted to To the hiring or the appointment as a head coach interim head coach of Dominique Ducharme and the addition of Alex Burroughs because You you needed someone to replace uh, Kirk Muller on the bench as well Uh, We're gonna be getting into some other things. uh, Carey price as well We're gonna cover really everything that's gone on in the last week from all angles with the Montreal Canadiens But yeah, it's it's been a been a quite the week for the Montreal Canadiens. And joining us now, uh, Simone Servant, well we're glad to have you on here, uh, Simone, to discuss the uh, recent events of this week for the Montreal Canadiens. How are you doing today?
7: I'm good, how are you guys?
1: We're doing good, we're doing good. So um, this has been uh, quite the week, And, and Rick, I think if you'd like to bat lead off on this, because. This was something that perhaps we had seen coming. The signs had been there for some time, but uh, it was it was still wild to see how it all sort of unfolded. So uh, Dominic Ducharme ends up as the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And Rick, um, if you want to bat lead off with a question for Simone, you can go ahead. Sure. Simone, I, I sh- we should say, that
2: is a sports journalist for uh, yeah. Canadian Press. And, and his focus is uh, the Q. Um, and he has uh, had... Uh, considerable experience uh, uh getting to know Dominic Descharm. Um and uh I I guess to start is is if you can talk about uh his qualities and, and uh and uh just describe to our listeners um what what uh what you see from Dominic Descharm when he's behind the bench.
7: Yeah, um yeah I had the opportunity to, to talk to uh Sham a few times uh during the maybe eight or nine years and uh, I always thought he was a, a great offensive-minded coach. Uh, I thought he was uh, really good with young players uh, getting offense. Uh, I mean, everybody saw what happened with uh, the, the Ali back moves that uh, they, they have won the Presidents' Cup and uh, the Memorial Cup after that. Uh, of course, they, I mean, Nick McKinnon was there and Jonathan Drouet was there, but uh, still, you, you, you could see he was uh, really good with. Offensive players, and uh, even after that, with uh, the, the government was uh this, this was not a power out. But the team uh, played with with passion, with intensity, and it, it was a tough team to beat every night. So uh, I think for some he, he's a good player for uh, he's a good coach for offensive players, uh, and I think he, he everybody said he, he was a, a great communicator uh, and. You know, to me, that, that's what I saw when when I talked to him a few times. That even after before the juniors a few years ago, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, we're going to see if, if the system, if the players will buy in, in the system. But we could already see already see Thursday that Jonathan DeWayne was was a bit. Uh, it, it was not a new Jonathan Delaunay, but he, he was a bit better. And I think maybe players like uh, uh Suzuki, uh, players like uh, younger players will will buy in on the this uh, philosophy of the chant. But he's a young coach, it's, going to, to, it's a process. It's going to take a, a few few games. But uh, I'm not. I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a, the right person for the job right
2: now. It's interesting because, um, you know, you said he's, he's, uh, he can reach out to the younger players, uh, but we saw last night him relying on his vets, uh, mm-hmm. with 22 minutes, Byron in the lineup, um, uh, at center, uh, the, the, uh, the top line, so, so to speak, um, uh, reunited, uh, what do you think, how do you think he will manage this group with respect to uh, his veterans?
7: I think he's, he's going to trust uh, the leaders uh, and just, you know, sometimes when you have a coach like, and I'm not saying shooting is in the the same range as Tortorella, but when you have a coach like maybe Tortorella who's shouting a lot and it's not, it's not the same that, uh thirty forty years ago uh it, it's uh when Devin said it's uh, a new it's a new type new wave of, of coaches uh, i think Sean, um uh, he's a good listener he's a good uh communicator like i said earlier and i think he's just going to uh focus his trust in in the in the leaders make sure that uh they 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 help this team this team uh bounce back and and just inside the room uh, have them you know help the young players and, and just carry the team on their shoulders so um I know 22 minutes for for dental Thursday was surprising but um then and, and you, you thought that saw was was playing uh, a little bit better too I think it's the mindset that uh, that Sham will will have with this team and uh you will let them Make sure that the, they
1: they put the the ship in the right direction. I think. Yeah, the one thing that I wonder, Simone, and you sort of touched on that with your touched on it with your first answer is obviously this is a different direction uh, in terms of having a younger coach than Claude Julian at the helm at the at leading this team and. I wonder if that might tip the hand as to where Mark Bergevin is, is looking for a, a new coach, whether it's going to be Ducharme for the long term or somebody else. Do you think that this sort of tips the hand that the Montreal Canadiens are looking for a younger voice for their team?
7: Yeah, I think that they're, they're looking for a younger voice. Uh, because there there are a lot of, of young players, young good players, and there are a lot of, of young players coming to uh, just thinking about Caulfield uh, and uh, maybe uh, Jordan Harris and deal uh, low and players like that. Uh, if, if you if you want to have a, a, a young player, if you have a young group, a group of players, a young core, uh, maybe it's better to have a, a younger coach, uh, even though he's not uh, he, he's pretty new in the NHL. I think it's just uh, you want to develop this this younger uh, younger group of players with a younger coach and. And maybe if Shalman stays after the uh, the end of the season, uh, he's maybe he's going to sign a contract for, for three four years. And Benjamin will will say that you know he's the man for for this this young gore. And uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll see if uh, if the results will come. But uh, I I think he's the man for this score right now
2: well um you developed from a a young sports journalist uh, writing for all Habs hockey magazine uh six seven eight years ago and and uh you were great for us uh writing on uh for hockey prospects and uh and now your career has taken you to uh the mainstream media and we couldn't be prouder of uh of you and uh, uh we're uh, we're just really happy that you could join us today uh,
7: thanks no problem. I'm, I'm really happy with uh with the uh, the work I did with uh, with you guys, and it's always a pleasure to to be here and to talk to hockey and, and Montreal Canadiens with, uh, with everybody, and not, not just yes. you, uh, everybody.
1: Well, it, it was great to great to talk to you, Simone, And uh, they can where can uh, where can the people find you on social media?
7: Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my uh, handle is sim uh, servant, so S I M S E R B A N T. Uh, I talk to uh, you know if you if you ask me a question or if you uh, talk about uh, hockey and you know every sports uh, I'm I'm am uh, I'm a big fan of everything so uh, I talk to a
2: lot of people. <laughs> Great work on yeah. the Alouettes as well. Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah thanks a lot. Yeah, a few times when I when I go to uh, uh, first of all Bolton Stadium, I enjoy uh, enjoy uh, watching the the Alouettes and write uh, a, few, uh, a few stories about the team.
1: Well, it was great talking to you, uh, Simone, and and of course, as you said, as Rick said off the top, you're a journalist with uh, the Canadian Press, and uh, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us about uh, Dominic Ducharme and the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, thanks, my pleasure, guys. All right, and that was a fantastic interview. I want to thank Simone again for joining us uh, to talk about Dominic Ducharme, and Rick, we have some, as we Said going in, uh, we, this is going to be a prolonged edition of. They said what we have some clips from Ducharme and his uh, introductory press conference as the interim head coach, and uh, he was asked, "What what does it mean to be named the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens?"
4: Obviously, it means a lot. Uh, if I had uh, written a script, maybe it would have been different uh, uh, today. But uh, you know, I'm losing. Two colleagues and two uh, two great person and you know Claude is is a great man and I I got to know uh, to know Kirk and um, you know to see them leave obviously it's a it's a mixed feeling but yes I, I'm proud to be here uh, I, it was a long road for me uh, you know I, I didn't take the highway I I went the side road and and but I'm 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 proud of that and I think it made me grow as a coach and today I feel ready for it.
2: I like that uh, that phrase. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't take the the express route here. I, I nope. uh, had to work my way <laughs> up, and and uh, obviously uh, very uh, meaningful to to him. Although a bittersweet day, um, losing uh, a couple of colleagues, and and listen, um, I think that that uh, and and I want to I want to thank uh, Simone Savrant, too for for yeah. uh, uh, coming on. He his focus on the queue. Uh, over the past few years, first uh, with us as as uh, a writer for All Habs hockey magazine, and then moving on to the mainstream media with the Canadian press, his focus on prospects has and and the queue has uh, given us that background um, and and uh, he spoke very well and and uh, of of Dominic Ducharm. Uh, but it's interesting to hear in his uh, Ducharme's own words how, Um, how he made it through that uh, um, you know the the, his 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 junior path in Halifax and then Drummondville and um, and uh, Hockey Canada and and then uh, on to the Montreal Canadiens and and obviously very proud and sounds ready to go
1: yeah and he took the yeah he took the city miles not the highway miles there's a lot of a lot of uh, way to go, but uh, he, he finally made it to the NHL as an, as an assistant a couple of years ago and now as a head coach uh, on an interim basis for now. And we'll see uh, what goes, what happens from there. But uh, the one thing that you wonder with a guy who's in the, in the position for the first time in his career, are, are they ready to take on this role? And, and Ducharme was asked that. Oh,
4: I feel prepared. You know, when you're prepared, you sit down at school, you get your exam you don't care what the the questions are going to be. You're ready to answer, so you're pretty nervous when you're not ready, when you didn't study. So I feel, I feel comfortable. I, I feel ready. Um, yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident in the group. I'm confident in the, uh, you know, the
2: guys I'm working with, and you know, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Um, yeah. Has uh, his experience to rely on. Seems confident. Um, and um, this is a this is a guy who um, is going to, as we said uh, before, um, rely on on his his team and 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 particularly his veterans. And you saw in on uh, Thursday night in um, in Winnipeg uh, that uh, his veterans were in place. Uh, Dano uh, was back centering. Uh, what had been the top line uh, last season? Uh, Dano played almost 22 minutes. You had uh, Paul Byron uh, centering the fourth line. Um, he was relying on on his veterans, and and uh, it it, um, it you know he's he's going to let the um, the veterans uh, take take care of the room. Um, Simone after the the interview uh, messaged us and and said that uh, Ducharme is not necessarily an unspo- outspoken guy. And I think I think you get that sense when you listen to yeah. his press conferences that he's soft-spoken. Um, he's a bit shy. Um, and, um, and you know, a, a, a certain locker room could take advantage of something like that. But if the players are, are winning, and this is something pointed out by Simone um uh, they're going to start having fun uh, and that uh, uh, he's going to be the kind of guy who's going to trust uh, the, the leaders in the team to, uh, uh, to, take his, to understand his message and to, uh, and to be able to translate it and communicate it to, to everybody on the team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's certainly got some great analogies. So uh, even though he might be a little bit uncomfortable with the media, he's got some good analogies there. He's ready for the exam. He's taken the highway. He hasn't taken the highway. Uh, he's, he's, got, he's got analogies to, uh, to do for these uh, press conferences. Uh, but, Rick, we, we often wonder what exactly an assistant coach, what his responsibilities might entail. Um, and for Dominic Ducharme, he explained what his role was as an assistant coach to Claude Julian.
4: Uh, A lot of uh, I had to do with uh, the pre-scout watching the other team. Obviously, I had uh, uh, a lot of things to watch for 5-on-5. Claude has uh, always been open to my comments. And, um, you know, know, I I learned a lot. So, uh, I, I, you know, talking with the, the power play with Kirk and with with Luke about the PK. So I touched a lot of things uh, and, and getting experience that way. And I think that was great for me.
2: So um, he said he was involved in pre-scouting and preparing the notes uh, for the upcoming games uh, that, uh, that for a while we know he, he uh, co-led uh, with Kirk, the the power play. And he also had input into um into the penalty kill and and he talked about um he was the guy that that would uh watch the other team and uh between periods uh suggest in-game adjustments uh, now we didn't see a lot of those i, I don't know if if uh uh, uh julian always always listened to his uh his input uh, but that was his responsibility. So let's hope that he, he will be able to do that now that he has the full reins of being head coach.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it's going to be interesting because that's the one thing you wonder is a guy like that that was making those suggestions, sometimes a head coach might not listen to what their assistant coach has to say, might roll with what he thinks is best. And now that he has that responsibility of being the head coach, some of those suggestions that maybe got shot down by Claude Julian he won't have to go through that anymore, and he can try to do some of the things that he thinks might benefit this team. So that's the one thing you wonder: is how will he change this team? And he was asked that.
4: I think we're gonna see it in the way we play. I mean, that's it. I mean, the best answers are gonna be on the ice. I can I can sit here today and and you know and we have we have ways to go, to go like it. Tomorrow we have a morning skate and then we play. So, um, you know, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit of time for sure. But, uh, you know, we, we'll have the answers on the ice.
2: Okay, so uh, I, I think we can all acknowledge not the greatest communicator, but he's saying, you know, so what? Um, you'll see what happens on the ice. The, the proof yeah. is in the pudding. Um, our answers will come in the way we play. And uh, if that's the case, uh, then uh, nobody should have a problem with that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's the old thing, right? Is that words, I mean, actions speak louder than words. And that's what exactly, uh, I guess the point he's trying to get across there is that whatever this team does on the ice is going to answer that question better than I can. Um, So an an interesting approach there, nonetheless. Uh, The one thing, of course, we've seen that, the goal scoring after a really fast start, and you've gotten out in transition. You, you're averaging a lot of odd man rushes. You're getting out and getting those opportunities. Those have dried up for the Canadians. So Ducharme was asked, "How is how are the Canadians going to generate offense?"
4: Well, there's many things, but one thing is, you know, creating an offense is not only with the uh, the puck area, and I think like right now, like uh, we need a lot more a lot more support, we need a lot more uh, cohesion on that side where we're uh, working together and, and having options. So we'll
2: work at giving the guy with the puck a lot more options. And that's a good point. Uh, creating offense is not just having one offensive guy going up and and uh, stick handling through a team. It, it uh, Creating offense requires uh, puck support. Uh, yeah. And and giving uh, the puck carrier options, um, and that requires a, a you know a team that that likes to skate uh, forwards that like to skate like the Canadians do. It also requires uh, a very mobile puck moving defense core. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, <laughs> uh, well. Good luck there. Good luck there <laughs> because uh, Mark Bergevin built this team. As per specifications of Claude Julian and Claude Julian likes the big heavy. He like yeah. that's the word he likes, big heavy, and he got that on the back end with Sherrod, with Edmondson, uh, with Sh- uh, Shea Weber. Um, not necessary, and we we said it um, that that the Canadians are are kind of going in their own direction, uh, yeah. apart from from um, in the opposite direction that the NHL is going. Uh, into more of a mobile defense. And it seems like uh, Dominic Deschamps, if he had his way, would like to have some puck movers on the back to support uh, the puck carrier, to give the puck carrier some options. Uh, So does that mean changes are in store? I don't think right now, uh, but maybe on the horizon.
1: Yeah, and I mean... You've seen a lot of the issues that 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 come for the Montreal Canadiens stem from not being able to get the puck out of their zone with that crisp outlet pass They have to flip them out to center ice and then the team that's you know The the other team can retrieve the puck and they maintain that possession. So it's it's a little bit um, Difficult at this juncture to say that much can change given that the personnel isn't going to change It's just going to be maybe how they're employed how they're employed as as a team as a unit so That'll be interesting to see uh, if if much changes at all. But, Rick, the one thing that we have come to know is that when things go south for the Montreal Canadiens, the fingers are all going to be pointed in one direction. And they usually go pointing at Carey Price. And that's happened this week. It happened last year. It happened the year before that. It always happens when the Montreal Canadiens are struggling and look, that's, that's the load that a franchise player carries. There's expectation that comes here, but is it that, is it justified? Is it justified that people are pointing at Carey Price when there are very clearly some problems in front of him that he's really got nothing to do with?
2: There's huge issues. The defensive, um, you heard Mark Bergevin talk about the defense of zone coverage as, uh, chasing their tails. Um, Kerry Price continues to make saves. He has no business making. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the the media, uh, there's a media driven. Uh, did did the, the media like Kerry Price? No, of course they don't. Um, he, he has learned not to give them anything, win or lose. He's the yeah. same. Um, he's very tight lipped. Uh, and that doesn't make for a really good story, does it? Um, so, uh, they have been hating on Carey Price for a very long time. And you have folks at the Gazette who, um, second game where, you know, uh, Carey Price is, uh, struggling and, uh, you know, even up to, you look at, at the 1st of February, um, and, and, and the Gazette again, oh, uh, Carey Price is off to a terrible start this season. Um, February 1st, uh, it was a 6-2 win over Vancouver. Price uh, was unbeaten. He had made uh, 27 of 27 saves at 29 shots. Um, he was unbeaten in uh, regulation time, and he had delivered uh, 10 points in his six starts. Um, he, he was fun- yet he was getting hammered at that point um, because they want to create this 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 uh, fairy tale story about. Jake Allen coming in and usurping the great carry price because uh, it's, you know, it's great for clicks. Um, it's, and, and there it ties into the, the Twitter hate. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, we don't do that here. We're, we're, we're pretty honest. Um, so when the Canadians were, were uh, winning um, we even, we talked then about some issues that we saw other outlets. were talking about this team is so good. It's boring. Uh, yeah. This team has no flaws. This team has the best depth in the, the National Hockey League. This team is one is uh, cruising uh, to a Stanley Cup. It's it was it was it was lazy reporting then, and it was just kind of regurgitating uh, the fan excitement. And we understand the hype and the excitement, um, but it was driving the the reporting. Uh, and so now. How do they explain this fall how do they explain the fault well it can only be the fault of one person because otherwise everything they said last month yep. was crap and it, and it was um, yep. so that 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 is that's what's happening here or you you look at um, uh, and we've talked about it before um, the a columnist for the Gazette uh, who who uh, Carey Price didn't support his favorite player uh, enough in his mind, so he's trashed him ever since. And and listen, you want to trust your sports analysis to a guy who reviews movies and bar food, uh, then that's your business. But we're here yeah. to tell the honest-to-goodness truth. And there's more. Uh, Jake Allen, and I love Jake Allen. He's done a great yep. job. He's lost his last two starts. This isn't about Carey Price. Uh, this is about the team having... A collapsing having poor defensive zone coverage being terrible on the penalty kill uh and that's where uh most of of uh, the goals that Carey price has given up have have come from um so this isn't this isn't a carry price issue this is a montreal canadians issue
1: yeah and look this is the thing for me is that and uh patrick violette said it, Vardy S, he said it after the game, look, you can say that there might be some confidence issues, you can say that Kerry Price is giving up a little bit more goals, more goals than he may usually give up but there's just so much going on in front of him that needs to be adjusted and needs to be fixed that you cannot put the blame at the feet of Kerry Price, it's just not fair because the goaltender is supposed to be the last line of defense and Kerry Price is routinely being asked to make saves that he has no business making and he makes some of them He still makes some of them. That save against the Ottawa Senators with the stick in the middle of the net, and he stopped that. And then he almost replicated it against Winnipeg, and it just snuck by. He got a piece of it, it snuck by. Like, it's it's obviously not Carey Price. It is obviously not Carey Price. And it doesn't mean that Jake Allen hasn't been – listen, you can give credit to Jake Allen Mm -hmm. without saying that Carey Price – has been bad because that has not been the case. The Montreal Canadiens have been bad in their own zone. They've been turning pucks over, and they've been the reason why Carey Price has been giving up the goals that he has given up to this point. And the thing that I say is, well, listen, if you want to go and and play Jake Allen, you want to increase his workload, you can go ahead and do that. The problem is, is that Jake Allen has shown that this exact role, that this precise role in this type of workload he can be a very effective goaltender for you. He can be a really good goalie for you. But if you expand that, go take a look at some of the numbers of seasons like 2018-19, right? In the season that the, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, he was the starting goaltender at the beginning of that season before Bennington came in, and he did not have this glowing save percentage in goals against average. So if you want to play him more, then that's probably going to be what's going to happen because that's who Jake Allen has been in his career. Again, very good, very good goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens this season. But if you expand the workload and ask him to do more than he is capable of, then things aren't going to be very pretty for him either. And Carey Price is the one that's feeling that now because he has to play in front of this team a little bit more or play behind this team a little bit more, I should say. But Rick, obviously, uh, when we've had that discussion, what does Carey Price think of all of this? And uh, he offered his insight into what's going on right now. Um, I just think maybe I'm overthinking things. That's all
2: I got for you. Uh, that's all he's got. However, that is enormous. Uh, that is enormous insight into Carey Price. And, and you know, folks were, were right away ready to jump on that. And, and uh, oh, maybe he needs to see a sports psychologist. And maybe he needs to, uh, you know, spend less time at home. And, and maybe he's got things... All of that is, trust me, it's nonsense. Um, you know, we even had the the folks at The Athletics saying uh, they learned a new word apparently called meritocracy. Uh, we've been talking about that with respect to um, uh, hiring uh, a general manager and hiring a, a head coach. Uh, of course, yep. uh, they would disagree with that strongly. Uh, but now they're talking meritocracy. But Carey Price, in terms of uh, overthinking, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, for Insight... Um, and in the, the talks that I've had with Price, it's, it's fascinating. You, 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 you know, I think fans uh, generally think that goalies are super athletic, uh, that a shot comes off the stick and they just react in an athletic way. And there are some goaltenders like yep. that. Zach Fucali uh, was was one of them, and he didn't go too far because you need the mental game too. You need yeah. you need what makes Carey Price such a good goaltender is his attention to detail, his attention to clues, and and he talks about uh, when the shooter's coming in. I watch I watch his eyes, I watch his shoulders, I watch um, the where his hands are on the stick. I watch the the uh, the tilt of his stick, um, and you you know he has that new mask with the the you know the the cyborg kind of mask yeah. with processing all this information. He actually does that, and he does it in in, in naturally in split second time. Um, and, and what he's talking about by overthinking is he's added a whole another component to watching the the shooter coming in, and that is watching his defense uh his defense core right now he can't trust his his defensive players um and there's no better uh example of that than uh the goal uh the second goal by uh kachuk the other night um the the senators have been beating uh the canadians defensemen all night long and so if if um Price is just looking at the, the shooter for clues. Maybe he plays it, uh, you know, he plays the shot. But he's also thinking now, because he can't trust his defense, this guy is gonna go around. This guy's gonna go around my guy and cut across the net. And he starts playing for that. Brady uh, Kachuk lets it roll off his stick and Price is already moving and it, it goes through him and it looks like a really bad goal. But that is because he cannot trust the people in front of him once they clean up uh, everything in front uh, and start playing better defensive hockey and he can trust them again, then he can return to the focus. He can get rid of this overthinking, thinking about his own players and focusing on the shooter.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's oftentimes, listen, this is what it comes down to is that people will watch the game and they'll see a goal go in and they'll say, well, that's a bad goal. The goal should have had that. But there's so much that happens before a shot is taken that you need to... To analyze and see, it's why I'm always sympathetic to goaltenders. Is even though some of them get a rough ride, and listen, there's goaltenders that are that have, have been deserving of criticism in past years. But Carey Price right now is not one of those goaltenders because he is being asked to do um, quite a lot right now. And the defensive core has not been good. The defensive forwards, the play from Philip DeNo, there was the game against the the Leafs a couple of weeks back where Philip Deneau loses a puck battle to Austin Matthews behind the net, and then somehow Mitch Marner is left all alone in the slot. I don't know how that happens. There needs to be attention to detail. There very clearly is not that attention to detail right now. And this is what the forwards, this is what the the skaters, excuse me, have been talking about and Dominic Ducharme on being better defensively. Yeah, we're not singling him out at all. Um, it's a team game, and, and we're losing as a team right now. There's nothing... Um, that we're doing, you know, we're not doing enough in front of him to to
2: help him and make his job easier right now. So, our goal is to clean those things up, and and we know how good he
1: is, and we know what he's done for this franchise, and and on and on and on. He's a he's an unbelievable talent, an unbelievable player, and um, he's gonna he's gonna be the difference maker that uh, that we need. We just
2: got to fix the problems in front of him, and and things will go on. Um, I've seen him play a lot, and I've seen him play really well, and and. Um, like I said, he's one of the best goalies in the world, and and we just got to be better in front of him. I mean, we I agree. We have to help
7: Kerry more. I mean, some of the saves what he makes during the game just kept us in a game. I mean, they're huge. You know, like we we can allow to to t- let them score. You know, backdoor passes and uh, backdoor goals. And I mean, I think Kerry is a great goaltender who can really push us uh, to 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 high where we expect to be. So
3: we have to be better. I mean, he made so many big saves. Um, Pucks are going to go in sometime, but he made save after save after save. Uh, we don't have a chance with pricey and There's there's no concern there.
2: For
4: sure. I mean, we want to be uh, we want to be better in front of him. There's
2: no question about that. There's no question uh, yeah. that that uh, we heard from um, Carey Price's teammates there: Shea Weber, Thomas Tatar. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, and now head coach Dominic Descharmes, that they trust Carey Price. Uh, They trust Carey Price uh, to do the job um, when they're there, and and their focus has to be on being better in front of uh, him. They trust him. He needs to be able to trust them when they're doing their job properly, and and then the the Canadians will be back to where they should be.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that comes down to, being in sync and it's something that mark bergevin touched about with the special teams but that's something that you need to have five on five as well you need to be in sync and the montreal canadians with respect to their own zone they have not been in sync for much of this season and it comes down to the fact well, we've talked about it they're they don't have that mobile puck moving the blue line they just don't they have ben charat and joel edmondson who struggle to get the puck out they end up chipping it out and then the other team can maintain the pressure that they've been building it's it's, it's it's a very simple explanation, I think, as to what has been going on here, and it doesn't include Carey Price at all. <laughs> it just doesn't. He's been fine. He's been doing the job. He's been making the saves, the extra saves that Marc-Antoine Godin talked about, where Carey Price, he doesn't just need to make all the. He doesn't need to make every save. He needs to make extra ones, too. He's made those. He's given you opportunities, and the Montreal Canadiens, they haven't made good on those opportunities. Um, but Rick... There's definitely a lot more that can be said on that, and I'm sure that we'll we'll have more time to get into it as this season goes on. Uh, but for now, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us here on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans.
1: And welcome back to episode 125 of the Canadians Connection podcast. I want to take this opportunity once again to thank Simone Servant of the uh, Canadian Press for joining us last segment to discuss Dominique Ducharme. Uh, and as he said, uh, you can follow him at Servant on Twitter. Uh, and uh, Rick, we will say, because on Twitter this week, uh, it was uh, put out on Monday, there's a, a contest between all of the hockey podcast network Affiliate affiliated podcasts for a Jersey giveaway contest. And we have that tweet out on all Habs. And uh, if you want to touch on that a little bit more, uh, you go ahead. The Hockey Podcast Network, uh, in conjunction
2: with DraftKings, is giving away a an NHL jersey. Um, and how it's determined uh, w- what kind of jersey is going to be given away is um, – that each of the Hockey Podcast uh, Network podcast has posted a tweet, um, a a Jersey giveaway tweet uh, on um, All Habs, at All Habs on Twitter. It's the pinned tweet. Look for the pinned tweet that says Jersey giveaway. Uh, To enter the contest, all you have to do is retweet that pinned tweet uh, and be sure that you're following our podcast, The Canadians Connection. We're Habs Connection. On uh, at Habs Connection on uh, Twitter and following Hockey that's the Hockey Podcast Network uh, account on Twitter. So be following those two, retweet the post. Uh, and then if we are uh, the winner, uh, if we get the most retweets of any of the other podcasts, and it seems that the, the Bruins podcast has us in their sites, uh, so you don't want a Bruins <laughs> podcast to win this, um, you want to go and retweet that. And that's going to be your entry. And uh, then we get to pick who, uh, which one of our listeners uh, wins a Montreal Canadiens NHL uh, official jersey. So uh, you want to get in on that. Uh, it do, it's very simple to enter. As I said, follow Habs Connection, follow HockeyPodNet, and retweet the pin tweet on at allhabs.
1: Yeah, you definitely don't want to miss out on that. So certainly follow those steps and you enter for an opportunity to win a Montreal Canadiens jersey. Uh, so, Rick, we should say that we we mentioned Charlie Lindgren earlier in this show and you had the exclusive interview with him on uh, the latest episode of the Press Zone, yourself and Amy Johnson. Uh, we should say that Charlie Lindgren is starting today's game for the Laval Rocket and Amy Johnson is going to be a guest on the second intermission of the uh, TSN 690 broadcast of that game.
2: We have a great crew that covers uh, the Laval Rocket. On um, you, you can go to AHL Report, or if you prefer, AHL Report uh, to follow all of the the game reviews, uh, the recaps, uh, and also all of the pressers. Uh, both Amy Johnson and Chris G have been on every single one of the uh, the. Uh, Uh, pressers that uh, the players have had you can hear audio from the players you can hear it from uh, coach Joel bouchard and uh, on the game this afternoon in the second intermission be listening for our own amy johnson who will be on tsn 690 uh, on the broadcast in the intermission break uh, and she will be giving her thoughts on the game and and the week that was uh, for the laval rocket
1: Absolutely. So you don't want to miss that. Our own Amy Johnson will be on TSN 690 for the second intermission. Uh, So, Rick, uh, it's going to be a a jam-packed day. Of course, Laval Rocket playing, as you just said. But the Montreal Canadiens playing at Winnipeg tonight. It will be a 10 p.m. Eastern start. So they have the late game on Hockey Night in Canada be a difficult one for me an hour and a half ahead <laughs> of the eastern time zone but hey we'll make do uh and then the calendar flips to march my birthday month uh, the montreal canadians playing the ottawa senators once again uh that will be a, a little bit of a break before they uh, a break from the winnipeg jets when they play uh, they'll play them two days after that ottawa senators game once again on the fourth uh so rick those are the games that are coming up for the montreal Canadiens, and we will be back this time next week, discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. And uh, we said a couple of years ago, it was the roller coaster season for the Montreal Canadiens. I think we're right back on that roller coaster. So <laughs> we're right back where we were last year. But Rick, uh, we will say thank you for now for tuning into the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.